Hi, my name is Bardir Amarlak, Associate Professor of Plastic Surgery at UT Southwestern Dallas, Texas, and a senior and corresponding author on a new publication in the Aesthetic Surgery Journal titled Trends and Challenges of Telehealth in an Academic Institution to Unforeseen Benefits of the COVID-19 Global Pandemic. This study which was recently published, illuminates the unexpected benefits that telehealth has had during the pandemic and provides insight into what this may mean for the future of medicine in the United States. UT Southwestern was already equipped with telehealth technology when COVID-19 hit, but only as a small pilot program. Through incredible team efforts, telehealth was expanded across the institution within days bringing with it several unanticipated benefits for both the medical center and patients. For example, the conversion rate to telehealth we found out was much higher than in-person visits. The fear was that the platform wouldn't be able to handle it at first. The privacy issues, insurance issues, malpractice issues, but it came together well and were able to ramp up into thousands and were able to not only decrease patient anxiety, but also increase many beneficial factors, such as patient access. This study reported several boons for telehealth patients, including reduction in missed work, the number of hospital visits, travel time, exposure to pathogens, in addition to improving access to care with the option of out-of-state consultation. The numerous benefits telehealth has to offer is accompanied by several challenges. These are part of the practicality and the risk of remote diagnostic medicine. Though technology is starting to address some of these issues, with the development of new tools such as electronic stethoscopes and consumer-facing apps that can measure, for example, blood pressure, blood oxygen levels, and perform electrocardiograms, Still, some argue that the value of in-person physical exam cannot be replaced. Moving forward, it will be our responsibility as physicians to recognize the potential dangers of telehealth and missing a clinical diagnosis. Regardless, telehealth is here to stay. So it's important to think about the concerns, and based on this information, the issues that we have and will face in the future, and how we can resolve them going forward. The other authors of this article include Christine Wamsley, Telehealth Research Fellow at the Department of Plastic Surgery, Alan Kramer, Assistant Vice President of Health System Emerging Strategies at UT Southwestern, Jeffrey Kenkel, Chairman of Plastic Surgery at UT Southwestern, and with the contribution of Donia Morganich, clinic director and practice manager of plastic surgery. I will now ask Christine Wamsley to further discuss the details of this article and our findings, which I hope you find very interesting. Thank you. Abstract. The COVID-19 pandemic has necessitated a reorganization of healthcare delivery, shedding light on many unrealized advantages telehealth has to offer. Besides facilitating social distancing, minimizing the risk of pathogen exposure, and preserving healthcare resources, there are many benefits of utilizing this platform that can extend beyond the current pandemic, which will change the way healthcare is delivered for generations to come. 
With the rapid expansion of telehealth, we present data from our high-volume academic institutions' telehealth efforts with a more focused analysis of plastic surgery. Although state legislation regarding telehealth varies greatly, we will discuss challenges such as legal issues, logistical constraints, privacy concerns, and billing. We will also discuss various advantages and the future direction of telehealth, not only for plastic surgery, but also its general use for the future of medicine in the United States. Introduction. Over the past 25 years, the potential benefits of telehealth have been widely discussed. It has been suggested that remote care could decrease the number of unnecessary visits to the hospital, prevent loss of productivity due to missed work and the need to travel, and improve access to care. Among surgical subspecialties, faster evaluation, diagnosis, and intervention, fewer operative cancellations, and reduced post-operative anxiety were observed when telehealth was provided. The COVID-19 pandemic has necessitated a reorganization of healthcare delivery. This restructuring has shed light on some unrealized advantages telehealth may offer, such as increasing patient flow through the office, expanding a practice's patient base, and generating additional income. With governmental agencies temporarily loosening restrictive regulations, now is the time to devise effective telehealth systems. This will not only be essential to sustain patient care during this crisis, but can also be utilized during normal times after the pandemic has passed. The rapid increase of telehealth for us occurred as a result of the enforced pandemic shutdowns placed on in-person clinic visits. This article will discuss current trends and the experience with telehealth at our large academic institution with a focused analysis of plastic surgery. Our analysis of the presented data is limited, and rather we focused our efforts on interpretation of this data, opportunities and challenges that may arise while trying to implement a structured telehealth practice. Data collection. The University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, UT Southwestern, is the largest medical organization in North Texas, with 15,714 employees and 2,746 faculty as of fall 2019. Approximately 3 million outpatient visits are performed each year. As the prevalence of COVID-19 increased in the United States, UT Southwestern implemented a variety of measures, including urgent expansion of telehealth capabilities. Patients across most specialties had an option to reschedule or book new appointments virtually. These virtual care encounters have been live video consultations with UT Southwestern physicians or nurses and are performed through the BlueJeans application, Mountain View, California, USA. The secure video conferencing service is fully integrated with Epic through context-aware linking, allowing for the patient to use their MyChart account and the clinicians to have an integrated video within Epic. The consultations were from the practitioner's desktop workstation in clinic or on laptop or desktop computers at home, with patients at home using their cell phone, desktop, laptop, or tablet to access the BlueJeans app. On this app, providers have the ability to video dial in a chaperone or other family members who remain present during the virtual care encounter. Additionally, within the platform, UT Southwestern has disabled the ability to record visits in alignment with how in-person visits are handled at the hospital and in our clinics. The following data have been collected across 33 clinical sites and 279 departments within the UT Southwestern administrative system with no patient identifiers. These data are organized in a Microsoft Power BI report developed by the Office of Health System Affairs Health System Strategy Office at UT Southwestern. Age, type of visit, no-show rates, and geographic distance of the patient's residence from UT Southwestern for telehealth and in-person ambulatory scheduled encounters from January 1, 2020 through April 30, 2020, which was available to the UT Southwestern community, was gathered and analyzed. No named personal information was generated from this report.
As such, institutional review board approval was not obtained, but the study was conducted in accordance with the standards of good clinical practice and the principles of the Declaration of Helsinki. For the plastic surgery analysis, ambulatory scheduled encounters from April 1, 2019 through mid-May 2020 were used. Research visits, deceased patients, test patients, UT Southwestern medical students, and patients without an active MyChart have been excluded. Results. UT Southwestern telehealth visits began as a small pilot in May 2019 with organization-wide deployment on March 18, 2020. From January 1, 2020 through April 30, 2020, across all sites, 41,823 total telehealth appointments were scheduled, of which 25,197 were completed. As the stay-home order in Dallas County started on March 15, 2020, the number of virtual visits jumped from 190 in the first half of March to 6,876 in the second half of the month. In April 2020, 34,706 telehealth visits were scheduled and 25,197 completed. This compared to April 2019, at which time 23,342 in-person clinic visits were scheduled and 153,636 completed, showing a higher ratio of completed to scheduled. There was a 5,189% increase in telehealth visits from February to March 2020. There was a widespread of ages represented and the distributions of ages changed by month. The percentage of new patients seen increased from 0.77% in February to 14.2% in March to 16.7% in April. The percentages of appointment completions, 72.4% versus 71.5%, cancellations, 20.1% versus 21.1%, and no-shows, 5.6% versus 5.4%, did not differ greatly between new and established patients. From January through April 2020, 3,313, or 7.9%, of scheduled appointments were telephone visits, while 38,510, or 92.1%, were virtual care encounters, which included both audio and video. Patients from 43 states and Puerto Rico have been seen via telehealth. The UT Southwestern Department of Plastic Surgery faculty consists of 17 plastic surgeons across UT Southwestern and affiliate hospitals, as well as three podiatry wound care specialists, exclusive of our pediatric practice. Five out of 10 plastic surgeons at the main UT Southwestern outpatient facility elected to participate in telehealth routinely after April 1st, until the shutdown of elective clinic visits in Texas was lifted in mid-May. 195 non-wound care plastic surgery telehealth patient visits were completed. 54 visits were for breast cancer reconstruction, 49 cosmetic related, 44 hand surgery, and the remaining 48 visits were for other reasons, such as gender affirmation, reconstructive body, and migraine surgery. Based on the plastic surgery schedule team, 60% of the patients who the surgeons deemed appropriate to participate in telehealth elected to do so. Of the 40% who declined telehealth services, reason for this decision included lack of comfort and familiarity with the technology, concerns over privacy and confidentiality, and the preference to schedule an in-person office visit when available. 145 wound care telehealth consults were completed during the same period of time. This was part of a separate wound care center, but with participation of the wound surgeons from the Department of Plastic Surgery. Prior to the COVID-19-related shutdowns, zero telehealth consults were performed in the Department of Plastic Surgery.
Discussion. On March 11, 2020, the World Health Organization announced that the COVID-19 outbreak was a pandemic, with 1.47 million cases in the United States as of May 16, 2020. Since then, numerous outpatient clinic visits across the country have been canceled and many replaced with a new framework, telehealth, for delivery of care. Besides an effective tool for social distancing, telehealth can minimize possible exposure of healthcare professionals, essential staff, and other patients to potential pathogens. Furthermore, as it has become apparent that many non-urgent conditions can be managed from home, telehealth offers the opportunity to care for patients remotely, minimizing the risk of patient exposure to pathogens that may be in the clinical setting. Additionally, not only is the preservation of healthcare resources useful during a pandemic, but in any disaster setting or decrease in hospital capacity. Diverting patients to telehealth, either temporarily or on a permanent basis, can increase the efficiency of on-site healthcare delivery. This practice may also improve the transition of care for discharged patients from clinic to home setting, resulting in decreased complications, fewer readmissions, and increased patient satisfaction. Finally, the ability to perform telehealth provides opportunity to deliver care in cases of environmental hardship that restricts or prevents travel, such as severe weather. Virtual health can be beneficial to more than treating physicians and nurses. For example, pre-surgical evaluation can be performed by anesthesiology providers or pharmacists to discuss patient medications. In all instances, this will lessen patient exposure and travel time prior to surgery, which in turn can save days lost by taking time away from work or home life. Telehealth can also be used as an educational tool for trainees, as well as increased participation of educational programs in the community. Our data showed a significant increase in the number of telehealth consults for all UT Southwestern clinics beginning mid-March 2020. While the Department of Health and Human Services declared a national public health emergency on January 31, 2020, the risk to the public was still deemed low. The first positive case of COVID-19 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area was not confirmed until March 9, 2020. By March 18th, UT Southwestern clinical processes had been rapidly restructured, including the expansion of telehealth services. The significant increase in telehealth visits correlated with statewide cancellation of elective clinic visits and official launch of campus-wide telehealth on March 18th, 2020, which resulted in an immediate massive increase in virtual visits. The majority of telehealth patients have been between 30 and 79 years old. Pediatric patients under 19 and elderly patients over 79 made up only 7.4% of patients. It is important to note that UT Southwestern's pediatric practice is limited and rather, a majority of pediatric patients present to the UT Southwestern affiliate Children's Health, which was not involved in the telehealth efforts. As the COVID-19 pandemic progressed, there was a shift in age distribution in that elderly populations made up a greater proportion of telehealth patients as time passed. This finding aligns with the increasing prevalence of many chronic conditions with age, yet possibly the developing comfort of the older generation with electronic mediums. Telehealth use began to decline in UT Southwestern patients 80 plus years old, who represent only 4.8% of the telehealth population. This may be due to unfamiliarity and lack of comfort with electronic devices or cognitive decline. Although younger patients may be more familiar with the involved technology, they also represent a smaller proportion of patients seen via telehealth. As teenagers and young adults tend to suffer from accidents more often than chronic conditions, perhaps they have less need for immediate telehealth services. The current pandemic has led to reports of fewer hospital visits for urgent and emerging conditions. Many hospitals have reported a roughly 50% decrease in emergency room visits. 
A study published in the American College of Cardiology in April 2020 reported a 38% drop in patients being treated for myocardial infarction. As the prevalence of these conditions has not decreased, it is thought that patients may be avoiding medical care out of fear of COVID-19 exposure should they go to the hospital. Thus, patients are leaving themselves susceptible to significant morbidity and mortality from other diseases. Increasing telehealth efforts, like seen at UT Southwestern, can allow providers to screen patients who are older or hesitant to come to the hospital. This provides susceptible populations with appropriate care of any comorbidities, preventing bad outcomes that may have occurred had they avoided medical attention. As phase reopenings begin across the country, ambulatory volumes at our institution have returned to levels seen prior to the lockdowns enacted as a result of COVID-19. UT Southwestern is consistently seeing a conversion rate from telehealth to in-person visits of 25% per week. This conversion rate has been consistent for approximately two months since resuming in-person care for ambulatory visits. These statistics complement those reported by Huang et al., who also found a 25% conversion rate to formal in-person consultations among new patients initially seen in their cosmetic oculoplastic practices via Skype. Additionally, the expansion of telehealth services at our institution has allowed providers to see an increasing number of new patients. The percentage of new patients increased by 22-fold from February to April 2020. Whether this is due to the relaxed regulations at the state and federal levels, increased provider comfort with the technology, or increased patient awareness of the available platform, the data show that telehealth may be used not only to care for established patients, but as a resource for bringing in new patients to our institution. For this paper, we chose not to analyze cancellation rates as there may have been several compounding factors complicating the data, namely provider workflows. For example, as telephone visits were not previously billable, the cancellation could have been done to prevent a back-end charge. The data are most likely not a result of patients simply canceling their appointments and are therefore difficult to validate. The age distribution, type of visit, and no-show rate of patients in plastic surgery who participated in telehealth was similar to the UT Southwestern total patient population, with 27.7% of total patients seeking breast reconstruction, 25.3% cosmetic consults, and 22.6% hand surgery. Additionally, there was a wide distribution of types of visits conducted. 41% were for new patients, 31.8% for established patients, and 24.6% involved post-operative care. One would consider most fields and several types of visits in plastic surgery being amenable to telehealth. For example, remote visits would be a great option as a second visit following an in-person visit or for long-term post-operative checkups. Challenges and future direction. Although the COVID-19 pandemic has necessitated a rapid increase in the utilization of telehealth, there are still many barriers preventing its widespread use. While many regulatory agencies are working to develop best practice guidelines for the use of these services, the legal system currently lags behind the available technology. The following discussion stems from regulations in the state of Texas, which may be applicable to other states. Liability and malpractice. Similar to in-person care, malpractice claims can be brought against a physician for a telehealth encounter. For in-person encounters, most states allow claims to be made in the state where the patient received care or where the provider's office is located. Telehealth, however, may expand the possible states in which a case may be tried. As the statute of limitations or cap on non-economic damages may differ by state, this may result in forum shopping on the patient's part. Additionally, some institutions have elected not to allow significant out-of-state telehealth visits due to issues with their malpractice carrier across a large number of potential new jurisdictions. 
Fortunately, at our institution, the malpractice plan relaxed in-state requirements in alignment with relaxed telehealth rules at the state and federal levels. However, it is unclear whether this loosening will remain in place once the pandemic has subsided. Interstate licensing. The Texas Medical Board offers a limited out-of-state telemedicine license, allowing an out-of-state physician to interpret diagnostic testing for a Texas physician or follow up with a patient whose care was mostly rendered in another state. In response to COVID-19, the Texas Medical Board is expediting these temporary licenses for out-of-state physicians. It is unclear whether these new policies will remain in place post-pandemic. Payment for service. With the public health emergency, telehealth visits received universal payment at parity with in-person visits across all commercial payers, and Medicare began reimbursing for telehealth visits completed while the patient was in their home. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, there were state-level statutes that guided reimbursement for telehealth visits, where the patient had to be seen in a designated rural health facility. The federal government has taken the lead in easing restrictions for telehealth during this public health emergency. Given the actions by the federal government and significant investment that organizations have made in providing telehealth services during this time, we are hopeful that telehealth will continue to be reimbursed at all levels that are at parity with in-person visits. In regard to plastic surgery, payment can be done via credit card either over the phone or the designated electronic platform. The option to offer reduced or even no cosmetic consultation fees is an individual decision to be made by the provider. Some may see this flexibility as an opportunity to attract new patients. Others may view the option of a free consult as a potential disadvantage. There may be a risk of attracting cosmetic surgery window shoppers who have little to no intention of undergoing any procedures. Informed consent. Informed consent obligations are generally the same as those required for in-person treatment, and clinicians should adhere to the same standards of traditional office encounters. Following standard of care practices required by federal and state laws should avoid any missteps. It is important to note that informed consent laws vary between states. Some require written consent and others allow verbal consent. Providers must be knowledgeable of their state's regulations in order to remain compliant. HIPAA and privacy concerns. There is a lack of control over the collection, use, and sharing of data collected by telehealth systems. For example, smartphone apps tracking medical history and personal health measures have been found to share information with third parties. Furthermore, there is a risk of unauthorized access and security breaches during the collection, transmission, and storage of personal health information. Additionally, smart devices, such as Amazon's Alexa, may collect and store conversations had during a telemedicine encounter, and therefore may need to be turned off or unplugged to prevent such recordings. The Health Insurance Portability and Accounting Act, HIPAA, requires identical health information be encrypted. However, this only applies to covered entities, i.e. healthcare providers and insurers, not patients. Furthermore, the Food and Drug Administration regulates medical devices, but not consumer-facing devices or apps. Several advocates argue that in order to protect patient privacy and build trust in these systems, a comprehensive federal regulatory network for telehealth must be established. Currently, due to the expansion of telehealth services necessitated by the COVID-19 outbreak, the U.S. Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights will not penalize physicians for HIPAA noncompliance so long as they are acting in the patient's best interest when providing care through communication technologies such as FaceTime or Skype. Providers, however, should not use public-facing applications, such as Facebook Live or TikTok. Once the pandemic passes, the exemptions will surely be removed or modified. For providers who wish to continue utilizing telehealth, it will be their responsibility to choose a secure platform. Visual examination of the body is far more prevalent in certain services, such as plastic surgery and breast oncological surgery. 
Our department follows the same privacy rules for telehealth as for in-person exams. For example, the BlueJeans app allows physicians to video dial a chaperone either on their cell phone, tablet, laptop, or desktop based on the available understanding of the role of the chaperone in plastic surgery examination of the body, our legal team has recommended the use of chaperones during video visits. The patient is asked to be in a private location, which is confirmed and documented, and asked to mute the video and change into a gown or robe prior to visual exam. The sequence is carefully coordinated so that the patient is not vulnerable being naked and alone in the virtual exam environment with the provider and without a chaperone. UT Southwestern has also taken the approach of disabling the ability to record visits within the telehealth platform. While we are exploring opportunities to allow for high resolution snapshot images to be taken during a visit with patient consent, we have not yet implemented this into our current practice. Online prescribing. The validity of a prescription issued through telemedicine is subject to the same state and federal scrutiny as one prescribed in person. In regards to prescribing controlled substances, the Department of Justice Drug Enforcement Agency, DEA, announced on March 17, 2020, that physicians may prescribe scheduled two through five controlled substances through telemedicine without an in-person evaluation for the duration of the COVID-19 emergency, so long as certain conditions are met. As the Texas Administrative Code prohibits the treatment of chronic pain with scheduled drugs through telemedicine, it remains to be seen whether these current waivers may reshape future policies. The practitioner-patient relationship. If the practitioner communicates with a patient via synchronous audiovisual interaction or asynchronous store and forward technology, the physician-patient relationship is established. This includes clinically relevant photos or videos, the patient's medical records, or any other form of audiovisual telecommunication technology that allows the practitioners to comply with standard of care. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, the governor of Texas has also approved the Texas Medical Board's request to temporarily allow audio-only encounters to establish a physician-patient relationship. In using these new resources to extend patient care beyond the traditional in-person setting, the practitioner-patient relationship will inevitably be affected. Tuxen et al. argue that these tools will provide a large amount of new data, changing provider workflow and interpersonal boundaries. Although new models of care may emerge, the physician's fundamental ethical responsibility to treat patients to the best of their ability will remain. The physical exam. Traditionally, the physical exam has been touted as the gold standard of diagnostic medicine. Telehealth inherently challenges this notion, as the physical nature of many conventional clinical tests are simply not possible to perform. New technologies may aid in clinical data acquisition and interpretation. There are now direct-to-consumer devices that can be used to remotely perform certain parts of the clinical exam. For example, electronic stethoscopes, teleophthalmoscopes, and video otoscopes have several features unavailable to traditional instruments, such as sound amplification, image magnification, high-resolution recording, and playback. Furthermore, many smartphone apps and direct-to-consumer accessories may be used for diagnostic purposes and tracking of patient performance, including monitoring activity and heart rate, performing EKGs, conducting cardiac ultrasounds, measuring blood oxygen levels, evaluating pulmonary function, and taking breath analyzer measurements. There are certain aspects of the physical exam, however, that we are not yet able to reproduce virtually. For example, no technology is commercially available to remotely palpate a patient. Furthermore, certain opponents argue that the value of the physical exam comes with finding the unexpected. If a visit is conducted by telephone, observations are limited to verbal communication and qualitative descriptions by the patient. Some surgeons, especially in the aesthetic field, also rely on assessment of a patient's body language when evaluating their mental ability to undergo a procedure. 
Telephone appointments may not provide enough feedback for the surgeon and patient to establish a physician-patient relationship. Video, on the other hand, may be a more appropriate platform when deciding on the delicate relationship between a patient's mental status and their degree of preoperative understanding and postoperative satisfaction. Telehealth may provide unique benefits to plastic surgery, such as ease of access and patient privacy for cosmetic postoperative checks. Additionally, many initial consults for cosmetic patients can be done through these platforms, and out-of-town patients would benefit from reduced travel. While this may serve as the only visit prior to surgery, for others, it would be a screening tool. Booking an agreement for surgeries happened in our department in certain cases without the need to see a new patient prior to the day of surgery, only when both surgeon and patient felt comfortable with this plan. Examples of these surgeries included nerve decompression for migraines, transgender mastectomies, breast reduction, and cosmetic body contouring. In some cases, the patient was asked to obtain preoperative photos with our in-department photographers. This still avoided an unnecessary in-person visit with the surgeon, decreasing patient exposure and improving availability for other patients. Of course, a full physical examination and documentation was needed on the morning of surgery. Although the legal and insurance requirements to see the patient in person prior to surgery have been lifted, such decisions are very dependent on the comfort and experience of the surgeon, and many cosmetic surgeons may choose to see the patient in the office prior to any surgery. Another important aspect of some plastic surgery procedures is the need for topographic distance measurement and tissue compliance. For example, cosmetic breast augmentation and post-mastectomy expander placement require measurements of breast base diameter. Current home technology has been developed with the aid of artificial intelligence over the past several months, Chrysalix company Lausanne, Switzerland, to accomplish this. The patient's cell phone is used to take multiple photos at home, and an advanced software computes the accurate measurements by constructing a 3D patient model in seconds. The surgeons can use this simulated 3D model for discussion with the patient during the telehealth visit, as well as adjust body parts to simulated 3D before and after images during the consultation. Advocates of telehealth also note the importance of creating a satisfactory patient experience. Many small details ultimately guide a patient's perception of an encounter, and therefore, it is important to create a telehealth environment that establishes empathy and rapport with patients. One of the most important factors that facilitates a strong physician-patient relationship is attentiveness. Even during telephone visits, when a patient may not be able to see the provider, they may still be able to tell if the provider seems distracted or unfocused. Maintaining professional integrity when providing video conferencing, especially when the physician is home, is important. Boundaries can be crossed, for example, when the patient or physician is able to view the other party at home in a non-formal attire. Background noise from other family members or television on a physician's video feed can instill privacy concerns for the patient. When using telemedicine technology, therefore, a physician must strive to minimize distraction and maximize personal connection in order to optimally exchange information with the patient. There is also a psychological component of wanting to interact with a patient face-to-face, -face, out of fear a physician may miss something if they are unable to physically touch or see the patient as well. While video conferencing may visually aid in assessments, physicians must develop a new set of skills to determine when a patient can be evaluated and treated via telehealth or when appropriate care can only be delivered through physical interaction. Conclusions. While current governmental restrictions are aimed at slowing the spread of COVID-19, healthcare providers have been forced to find alternative strategies to effectively interact with patients. Telehealth has provided the means to sustain the health system during this pandemic. It is short-sighted, however, to think that the expansion of this technology will be limited to handling the current crisis. 
Although there is plenty of uncertainty over the state of our healthcare system post-pandemic, this medium will still be a useful tool for providing prompt medical care that transcends geographic and socioeconomic barriers. It can be integrated with traditional in-person care to enhance the practitioner-patient relationship and improve patient outcomes. There is increasing congressional interest in developing appropriate long-term regulations, and patients certainly will continue demanding these services regardless of any pushback from payers. Active involvement on the part of providers and institutions with the legislating bodies and payers and negotiations is paramount. As the use of telehealth has never been as expansive as it is in this moment, now is the time to extrapolate data to create evidence-based guidelines for the future, as this is a generational opportunity.